0: Our text for this morning's meditation is from our Old Testament reading from Isaiah the prophet, these words, I, I am he who comforts you. Who are you that you are afraid of man who dies, of the son of man who is made like grass and have forgotten the Lord your maker? So our text, Isaiah 51, 12, and 13, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, as we are quickly approaching the end of the church year, the last Sunday of the church year, next Sunday, our readings describe our lives in these end times as we await the return of our Lord on the last day. The end of all things, the final judgment. You see, every liturgical year, that is what happens. That is, we begin with Advent, the Sunday after Thanksgiving, with the prophecies of the coming Christ child on Christmas. We then move through the birth of Christ, his life, death, and resurrection on Easter, his ascension into heaven sending of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost. Then the rest of the liturgical year is spent on our life in this world in these end times. Something known as the Trinity season which comes to a conclusion with the final judgment of Christ on the last day, the last Sunday of the church year. That's next Sunday. Then our cycle begins again. Interestingly enough, people nowadays are fascinated, fascinated by the end times and the return of Christ. Some churches go so far even as to spend most of their time together talking about the book of Revelation, what it means, and how it is to be interpreted. Think here of the popularity of the Left Behind series years ago now. Or if we can just come to an understanding of Revelation, so it is thought that one book in the Bible, then we can understand our life in the here and now in these end times and know what to do from day to day to day as we await the return of our Lord and Savior Jesus. Of course, there are other places in the Bible to go to to look for such information, one of which is the prophet Isaiah. And we go to the prophet Isaiah because he prophesied, Isaiah prophesied, when the children of Israel were living in their own end times, when they were faced with their own imminent, imminent demise, the end of all things, at the hands of the Assyrians. Now the Assyrians, they were the power of the day, and with an army of 185,000 soldiers, what could little Judah, tiny Judah, minuscule Judah do against such a force? Well, their answer, in their fear, was to turn to the Egyptians to help, something they were told by God not to do. But the even greater problem, their greatest problem, was that fear, that fear fear of the Israelites in the face of the Assyrians, the fear of the Jews in the presence of their enemies, the fear of the people of God as they lived among the people of this world in their end times. That was their problem. You know, it's a simple question really that's asked by our texts, posed by the word of God to us. It's a simple question. Who are you? Who are you that you're afraid of man? Man who dies, the son of man who's made like grass. That's the question of our text. Can we simplify it? Something like, why are you afraid of other people? Why? Of all of the Assyrians surrounding you? And at last count, close to eight billion. Well, there's a simple answer, isn't there? Because we don't want to die. We don't want to die at their hand. We don't want to be hurt by them. We don't want to be swindled by them. We don't somehow want to be made to look like fools by them, intellectually, socially, politically, or any other league with some foolish argument that they make and we wrongly believe. That's why. That's why we're afraid of man, afraid of man who dies, of the son of man who's made like grass, afraid of the 8 billion Assyrians that surround us today. As noted above, the Israelites were frightened in their end times. We're fearful of the sheer number of Assyrians that were headed their way, and, and we're frightened. We're frightened in these end times by death and by financial ruin, by the destruction of our reputation at the hand of our neighbor. So what does that cause us to do? The sphere of ours. What does it cause us to do? Well, for each of us something a little different, I think. Self defense courses might be how some of us take care of it. Familiarity with weaponry. Home security systems are popular. When we lived in Germany, it was common to hear of people stashing all their money in their mattresses. They're still doing it there. Having lost complete trust in their banks. Now the internet is helpful here, isn't it? Has it scoured daily for answers to this and solutions to that? The problem, though, with the internet is that that the more answers we find on the internet, the more questions we run into. Right? Thus, a five-minute search for some sort of comforting answer to a problem can end in a five-hour saga of clicking and clicking and clicking and clicking at the end of which we're more fearful of the people around us than we ever have been before. You know what I'm talking about. Yes, we can have fears, fears of many, many things to the extent that we become more or less like that character Bob Wiley in the film What About Bob? who at the beginning of the film is literally scared of everything, everything, and it paralyzes him. But so much of our greater fear stems really from a single simple fear, and that is a fear of the guy or the gal right next to us. And if not the guy or gal next to us, the guy or gal somewhere, someplace in the town or in the country or even overseas who are out to get us. So what's our response? What's our response? If we're clever enough, if we're fit enough, if we're rich enough, we can overcome all our fears. No, 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 no. The only comforts the only true comfort that is available to us in these end times is the comfort offered to us by the one who made us, by our creator who declares clearly and plainly in Isaiah 51, I, I am he who comforts you. I am he who comforts you. So we'll sing in a few weeks during the season of Advent. Comfort, comfort, comfort. Ye, my people, speak of peace, so says our God. Comfort those who sit in darkness groaning from their sorrows' loads. Speak to all Jerusalem of a peace that waits for them. Tell them that their sins I cover, that their warfare now is over. Hmm. You see, our fear is ultimately a result of warfare, isn't it? Spiritual warfare. Warfare in which sin is committed and sin is punished. So it's kind of like the fear we experienced during the Cold War. Do you remember that? Cold War fear, the fear that at any moment we'd be annihilated by the push of a button in Moscow? Knowing also we could do the same thing to Russia, USSR at that time, Of course, their people lived in that fear, too. Not to belabor the point, but at the heart of our fear, our fear of our fellow man is the confession on our part that in reality, we actually deserve much of what others would do to us. We confessed that a while back in our confession, didn't we? We have, in reality, lived a life in which such harm, that is physical or financial or political, would not be without warrant. In other words, truly to be at peace, to be comforted, to have the warfare within us come to an end is to be convinced that our sins are forgiven. To be convinced that our sins are forgiven. Our sins that truly do, they truly do deserve to be punished. Yes, in order for us to be comforted, to be released from the fears of this world, we need to have our sins forgiven. And so that is what the one who created us does. That's what he does. He forgives our sins. He doesn't hold us liable for the sins that we have committed. He doesn't rain down punishment upon our sins for all of that liability and punishment He laid upon His Son, Jesus Christ. And in the sacrifice of His Son for us on the cross, Jesus Christ, our sins, our sins, your sins, my sins, every single one of them were atoned for, they were paid for, fully compensated for. So now through faith in Christ, we need not think that we need to cower in fear because we actually are going to get what we deserve at the hands of our fellow man. If Our sins have been atoned for by our Creator. They no longer need to be punished. And that is the comfort. That is ours in this world in these end times through faith in Jesus Christ. That's the comfort that is ours in this world through faith in Jesus Christ. There's more, of course. The simple idea that our Father in Heaven daily watches over us as His children, I mean, that's comforting as well, isn't it? So what's that like then, this life in these end times confronted by the world and yet comforted by the gospel, the good news of our forgiveness in Jesus Christ? What's that like? Another story. First few months we lived in Germany, I'd catch a train down to Frankfurt each morning and then walk from the train station there to the Goethe Institute for German lessons. And in that I can't say Goethe to this day, you know the German lessons didn't do that well. Right outside the train station in Frankfurt, there was a grassy area and every morning in that grassy area there would be dozens of heroin addicts strung out, sleeping off the effects of the drug injected the night before. Around the perimeter of the attics were police fans and police officers with submachine guns and attack dogs. Every morning I'd walk through that scene. Wasn't I scared? One of my German friends asked when I told them about it. Well, I responded, the heroin addicts had no interest in me, and even if they did at that time of the day, they were moving in really slow motion. And the police officers and guns and dogs were not intended for me, but they were intended for the heroin addicts. That really, that which I experienced outside the train station in Frankfurt, is a picture of our life here in this world, these end times. The world in one form or another of people going after each other physically and financially and politically and we walking through the middle And when we find ourselves as Christians swept up into the world, we begin to take part, right? Frightened of this person, that movement, this authority, that political structure. But our creator, our comforter would through his spirit, well, comfort us. Not with some sort of sleight of hand or Pollyannish type thinking that somehow causes us not to see all the things that are going on in the world but with faith that causes us to continue each day to walk through the world right through the middle of all of its troubles and problems. Let's see our error there. Repent. And simply believe. Believe the gospel of the forgiveness of sin convincing us that we don't deserve retribution because of our thoughts, words, and actions because Christ himself has suffered that for us. Since that is so, then, God himself can guard and guide and protect us, his beloved children. It's a simple idea. I repeated it here. A simple idea because we live in a complex world. But it can't be that simple, Pastor. Yes, it can. It was in Isaiah's day. It remains so in our day. I, I am he who comforts you, we read in our text. That is God, God himself talking to us. Who are you that you are afraid of man who dies? Of the son of man who's made like grass? Yes, yes. In our repentance, let us ask ourselves that question. Who are we that we're afraid? Amen. Amen. Now may the peace which passes all understanding keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting amen we rise